1: Peace and Peace, brother. I'm about to start now. Peace and blessings, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Priest. This is Keys of the Kingdom Bible Study Group. And we have Brother E.K. sitting in with us today. We're starting a half an hour earlier. We're going to be starting at 6, 7 p.m. excuse me. We're going to be starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, From this point on, and hopefully uh, we're going to try to go into the Facebook live next week. So those of you who have been listening in, if you uh, would like to join our Facebook group, it's Keys to the Kingdom, that kingdom come in Facebook. So today we want to piggyback off of what we were talking about last week, which is, you know, We kind of, like, act like we have no home training, and today we want to to discuss the proper way to serve the Almighty. So, let's see, we have that Brother Shedrick, Mr. Shedrick. Is that you, sir? Yes, sir, this is
0: me. Shalom, everyone.
1: Shalom, shalom. So, um, the proper way to serve the Almighty. we got to really think about this. We're living in the belly of the beast. According to the scriptures, America is the beast of the earth. America is a country born out of another country. Described in the scriptures as the daughter of Babylon. Somebody needs to mute, please. Somebody needs to mute. Thank you. Described in the scriptures as the daughter of Babylon. America is Egypt, is Babylon, is Rome, is Greece, is all of the most ancient wicked. It's Persia, it's all the most ancient wicked societies, all into one. But it's described as the mystery Babylon in the Book of Revelation, and it's also described in the said Old Testament as the daughter of Babylon. Meaning it's a country born out of another country and its mother country and its theoretical ideas and all of that produced a child. There's only one country on earth that is known for being born from another country. Whenever you're dealing with countries, they're always referred to, well, countries and nations are always referred to in the feminine form, even in ancient times. So this is the daughter of Babylon, and Babylon being one of the first civilizations on the planet Earth. And in its erection, it was erected upon idol god worship mythology. So Babylonian mythology that you find in history is recorded in scripture as idolatry. So when you're looking at the ancient uh, mythologies, when you're looking at Babylonian, Sumerian, um, Greek, uh, Uh, Grecian mythology, uh, Roman mythology, Egyptian mythology. The scriptures describe all of those mythologies as idolatry. So they're not using the term um, mythology. But because it was written by us, the aboriginals of this earth, it's written by us and we're looking at what these other people are doing and we're referring to it as idolatry. So whenever you look in history, you have to remember that. Uh, Minister Shedrick, what can you share with us? It's
0: funny, um, <laughs> funny that you mentioned... Oh, Shalom, on the record, Minister Shedrick's in Israel. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the, um, the information about countries being referred to and the feminine principle. Um, because, like last week, when we were talking about it, I kept thinking about the uh family structure um and how it plays out in government, and when you were saying how the countries and nations were uh, always referred to in the feminine principle, I was always thinking about how the male was always or the king I'm sorry, was always that male principle, and how the marriage between the king and the nation or the country itself is predicated upon uh, the family structure, husband and wife, male and female, and how how just that relationship alone affects how the people, the children, or the beneficiaries of that union between the king and the country or the nation, how they benefit from the harmony of the king and the uh, nation itself. When both the king and the nation are out of harmony, then you can start to see the unraveling. You can start to see the rapture. You can start to see all of what um, we are basically seeing today. When you look at what America is now, it's obviously a disharmony between the uh, president <laughs> and the um, quote-unquote, nation itself. The union is unraveling itself because there's a, uh, I guess you could say, some type of breach there. The union isn't being respected, and it eventually creates anarchy. And when that happens, then not only does the union starts to disrupt, but the people themselves become corrupt that same type of thinking can always be applied applied to the uh, immediate household. If the male is taken out of the household uh, of where he's supposed to be representative of law, and whereas in the female she is the government, if that law and government is out of order, then the uh, commerce, the children, the beneficiaries of the household are also going to be corrupt. So this is why when you look at, as we were talking about last week, the disharmony between the, quote-unquote, black community, even in the Hispanic and Latinos as well as the West Indians as well as the, quote-unquote, Native American uh, communities, there's so much disharmony uh, within those particular uh, societies and government. And once we get back, I said last week, once we get back to knowing our role, understanding the general understanding what our body is for, understanding why it was given to us as a gift and respecting that gift, we can then, again, come back into alignment with nature and law. And then the union between the husband and the wife, a.k.a. the king, and the the nation or the husband and the wife, again, there can be some type of accord. And on that note, brother, I yield.
1: Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that, brother. America is the beast of the earth. Country born out of a country. The home of every wicked and foul spirit that has ever existed. <laughs> well, Revelation chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. This country, the United States of America, is part of the modern-day Rome, the modern-day Babylon. And this is the home of every wicked and foul spirit and all these nations on this earth have fornicated with this country. You get all these uh, politicians that leave here and go to places like Vietnam and, you know, have all types of illicit sex acts and they come back to United States and rule over the people and persons. Brother Ek, what are your thoughts?
2: Yes, sir. Thank you for that. Peace and blessings, everyone. Um, you know, I've thought about this for a long time, as far as like you know what you know America's been predicated on and. Seeing as though it's essentially, you know, like the international marketplace for a lot of things, and seeing how the moral structure, there's no real consistent moral structure because the people are going to naturally conform to the moral structure or lack thereof of its government that it subscribes to. And seeing as though America doesn't really have a consistent moral compass it is no coincidence how the scriptures had already predicted that this is the type of land that would encompass all of these different characteristics and traits. And seeing as though when you look at the parent-child relationship, particularly um, as it relates in this situation, how America, you know, um, you know, this daughter, you know, of Babylon, so to speak, and how a country is born out of another country You look at the mother and how the mother and its child, particularly daughter or son, in this case, since it being the daughter that is being, um, as the reference point, child obviously takes on the characteristics of the mom, because that child spends nine months in that mother's womb. So who is to say that throughout the course of history, when we look at um, what was going on in Babylon and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and Egypt and Persia and all these different nations around the world that were practicing heavily idolatry and how, if you look at how nine months in the womb, right? So all of these nations was in the womb of this new, of, of this mystery Babylon, Of this new mother and this child gets born out of all these traits that have been accumulated from all these different nations and then boom here's the child that is given birth now it grows up and then look at the society that it has generated in terms of the birth and then also how it's grown up throughout the years as an example so now we see a situation where in America particularly there's this struggle between responsibility and pleasure, because this America is sort of, um, it's pleasure-based. It's, its principle is pleasure first and responsibility second, when the reality it should be the opposite. It's responsibility first, then pleasure. But what happens is it's twisted to say it, it's twisted. So there's this there's this combination of, this thing of, you know, we're going to mix truth with falsehood. We're going to take the responsibility principles of the scriptures. And we know that the scriptures is, is, is essentially describing what the Hebrew faith is all about. So what happens now, this new platform of government, i.e. Christianity, comes on the scene and uses the one we know of as Jesus as the culprit to describe what, quote-unquote, righteousness is to show what moral character looks like. But meanwhile, it's deceiving the people as to what responsibility really is and also what pleasure has done to too many people at the expense of not being responsible. And so when we look at the scriptures and particularly in the book of Revelations, it is already predicting this sort of child, how it's going to essentially grow up, because the rod has been spared, meaning the responsibility is not the focal point. And that's why we have all of these different things, this morality is compromised, because at the expense of responsibility, pleasure is being sought after first, and that's why it says here in the the third verse, the earth are waxed which through the abundance of her delicacies. What are the delicacies? We all know what that may mean in different contexts. But that's sort of where, you know, when you look at it from a, you know, just an objective point of view, it does not, it does not subscribe to what the scriptures is really saying in terms of what responsibility means and what truth and righteousness really does mean for a lot of people. And that's why this society is very, it it, it conflicts too many different things because there's so many different formulations that it's waxing to one and it's showing the people how idolatry has become, you know, the main focal point where there's so many idol gods that are being worshipped, all these different things, and people can't make heads or tails of how to navigate that. Um, but, you know, this is something that, um, you know, the scriptures have always been harping on through, since the beginning of time, you know, don't have any other gods before me, you know, and this is sort of what we're sort of seeing in the you know, at this time in, in, uh, in our history, so to speak, and I yield.
1: Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing that, brother. Very well put. Um, this is a cesspool. <laughs> America is a cesspool for every diabolical, lowdown, everything that has ever existed in history. There are some of our people that identify with Egypt. I wanna just address this very quickly. Egypt was known by two other names before it was known as Egypt. One was Kemet, another name was Mitzrayim this is this predates um it being known as Egypt it became known as Egypt when Alexander the Greek took over egypt is a greek word so don't feel like when i'm pointing out the fact or when we're pointing out the fact that there was mythology in egypt i know that if some of our people identify particularly in the said conscious movement with Egypt, Kemet, you view scripture, you, you view the Bible, you view um, Christian religion, anything outside of of Kemet, you view all of that as mythology. I get it. I just wanted to point that out. Don't feel attacked. Rome, the seat of Rome is Vatican City. Rome Vatican City is a sovereign entity. The one that sits on the seat of Vatican City is the quote unquote emperor of Rome. He is the modern day emperor of Rome. That is the Pope. Vatican City in Rome gave pseudo sovereignty to England. At a particular point in history. So, England is under the jurisdiction of the Emperor of Rome. The subordinate of an emperor is a king. So, if you have an emperor and an empress, the subordinate to them are king and queen. So, if you have ever asked, well, maybe you never asked yourself, but who. Who is the emperor over Queen Elizabeth II? Who is the reigning monarch over the United States? The emperor is the Pope of Rome. So the United States is the hitman for the United Kingdom. The United States is really the, the military for the United Kingdom United Kingdom birthed the United States you gotta understand that now what happened was in history this is leading up to the proper way to serve the Almighty by the way the hat what happened was in history the bloodline descendants of all the prophets the bloodline descendants of the one, the brothers and sisters of the one who has become known as Jesus to the world. The true Jesus, his brothers and sisters, after he was long gone, ruled Europe. They had dark skin, woolly hair. They ruled England, they ruled Scotland, they ruled all of Europe. Okay? With their rulership, When you arrive at the time of King James, understand King James, the one that most people know of, is actually James VI. There were five other King King Jameses before him. They all had dark skin and woolly hair, known in history as Moors not Muslims, not Muslims, as Moors though. When they ruled, they ruled with law. When the scriptures have been passed down for centuries, the scriptures were were written in a high science, form of language that we call law. So the language of law is the language of scriptures. And when we fell, when our ancestors fell, we switched places with these Romans. These Romans took over global rulership, but the system was already in place that pre-existed them, and so now since we switched rolls with them, now we're in the enslavement transgressor status while they're in the quote unquote rulership power uh, status. Um, The word Hebrew, understand this, during these Middle Ages and even before then. Leading up to more modern times, there were Hebrews who were known as Hebrew Christians. That moniker was placed on them. That was our ancestors. Roman Christians or Catholic Christians, as they're called today, they're Roman Christians, but they call themselves Catholic Christians. Roman Christians separated themselves from a doctrine point of view and every other way from the original faith of the true Jesus and the prophets of the scriptures. So when they placed this moniker of Hebrew Christian on these people who were known as Hebrews Now our people today are all confused. They don't know the difference, really, the historical difference between Roman Christians and Hebrew Christians. We weren't originally called Hebrew Christians. They placed that on us. We were just called Hebrews. This is why so many of our people are so attracted to the Christian religion. Because we sense that something in it is true and right, but we're not quite sure. Brother Shedrick, it's on you.
0: Come on, brother. I was just sitting here while you were talking and I just remember um, thinking that it almost kind of operates the same way with the word uh, Jew. Um, And I also kept thinking about how some time ago I was reading a law dictionary and I just remember um, how there's a maxim uh, stating how laws do not govern names but they govern things attached to the names because that is how they would be able to um, that is how they will be able to govern those things that have the name. So looking you know, looking at what we're actually dealing with here in terms of the switch, you know, it has become all too evident that over the years, uh, the so-called African-Americans, Latinos, and West Indians, and uh, Native Americans, but particularly the, the uh, African-Americans, we have undergone so many different um Named, and the law seems to somehow change slightly when it comes to how we uh, how we're dealt with. The prescription uh, is somehow changed on how the government deals with us, and it is uh, starting to become also evident that the um, the little intricacies within the law are starting to be found out by the, uh, by our people. And it has, you know, you can see that the, the need for change has kind of been something that we've been yearning for for a long time, but we haven't necessarily understood how to execute that change. And when we were talking about the what it means to be a Hebrew or what the Hebrew is, And we understand now that Hebrew is just a platform of government that you can see being executed uh, throughout the scriptures. But every so often the, the institution or the system undergoes a different type of name. But we have to be careful because, as I stated earlier, where there's a name being given to you, there's a law attached to it, and the person who controls the name controls the body. Aside from that, I also wanted to pinpoint something else where we were talking about Revelation, and this is something that the listeners should be very, very aware of when we're talking about this uh, beast, which is a governmental institution that has taken form from a seed that had pretty much uh, been created with Babylon, and now we're seeing it take on. I guess you could say it's full essence now. We understand what the system is. But it's also been called several different names. Uh, The great horror of Babylon has also been called uh, a cage of unclean birds. And if you actually look inside of the law dictionary, a cage for a bird is actually called a jail. (laughs) (laughs) Babylon, America, Rome has always kind of been like a prison. Or what can also be called a penitentiary. Um, penitentiary could also be considered as a place of correction. And when you look at what the scripture has set up for the children of Israel, this place was prophesied, so to speak, and almost uh, what you consider to be divine. This was a place for our correction to get our minds right. But instead of um, picking up the necessary traits in order to move forward, we've only been moving backwards because we've been governed by what uh, Paul would say would be the law of sin. It's the law of sin that is within us that keeps us from getting to that place where we can say, let's go and govern ourselves. We're too hardy. We're too uh caught up in infighting we're too uh, Greek, we're too um, we're always at a, a quote unquote civil war with each other but it needs to change if we're going to understand if we're, if we're ever going to get to a point where we can say let's all move forward to get out of this case let's move forward so that we can get out of the belly of this beast Let's move forward so that we can uh, do better. If you also, and I'll yield on this point, if you also look in the middle book, the Apocrypha, it will also be stated that the 10 tribes who uh, went into captivity, uh, the Assyrian captivity, they left. They left their captivity after, I, I will say, three years and went to another land so that they can keep the laws for themselves. They can so that they can better be able to worship their God. Now, not really understanding what actually happened in between the time that they left uh, their captivity in Assyria up until now, but what could be said is the same thing that has happened to us happened to them, and the same uh, the same remedy in terms of. Uh, correction was placed on them as it was placed on us in 1492 in the 1500s and the 1600s ending in 1800s and now we're reaping the effects of that now but we gotta get to a point now where we can say let's get out of this beast let's get out of this cage and let's fly if that's what we want to do but let's also learn how to trust each other and let's you know while we're watching everything unfold in the book of Revelation and while we're watching the people who were sent by the Most High to correct us, while we're watching all this unfold, we have to be very conscious of where we are in scriptures ourselves because as it also has been stated on this very line, all Israel is not Israel. And two-thirds will also be cast out. So while we are hoping for the fall of someone else, you have to be very careful of our own placement. All things are divine, and we're working towards divinity within ourselves. So with that note, I yield. Mm-hmm. I'm in this rain. Yeah. Praise Hello.
1: the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that, brother. Very well put. Yes, sir. Um... I see area code three four six. I'm not sure who that is. Who is area code three four six? Area
0: code three four six. Uh, this is Brother Cornelius, just a minute.
1: Okay, thank you, sir. Oops. Shalom. Shalom. So brother mentioned this this great horror of Babylon. We're talking about the proper way to serve the almighty. Brother um, E.K. was talking about these delicacies and we've been gluttonous on the delicacies that the beast of the earth has provided. Babylon the great the great city is Vatican City. The mystery Babylon is the beast of the earth, North America in particular. North America in the United States of America was born from its mother country as the, it is the daughter of Babylon. It is, Or in other words, it's the daughter of mythology the birthplace of mythology. And this country was born out of mythology. And this great whore of Babylon, Revelation 17 and 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. This is John the Revelator. Come hither. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now you got to ask yourself, what does this really mean? Because it's clear as day once you understand it. But you have to have key historical tools to properly gather it. In North America, there is a woman who sits on the water. That woman that sits on the water is called Liberty. Lovely Lady Liberty. And according to some, that lovely Lady Liberty, and I know this is not commonly known, but this is, this is a legitimate historical sources. Lovely Lady Liberty, I'm not talking about the, the quote-unquote black version that they allegedly stole her from. This lo- lovely Lady Liberty was modeled after an ancient whore who was brought into a church or something of that matter um, and thrown upon the the altar or what have you, because she was a whore. Now I'm aware of the Negro version. I, I get it, but I'm just talking about this here so you can see this. So this liberty term is always granted to loose women in the United States of America. They're at liberty to be as whorish as they want to be, or as much of a harlot. A harlot and a whore are different. Whores charge money, harlots don't. Harlots are sluts, tramps. But this whore that sits on the many waters is sitting in New York. On the water. So we have gotten away. We act like we have no home training, our people. But even the ones that we turn to and rely on to bring us guidance, to bring us truth, they lead us right into mythology, into idol God worship. To the highest degree. A Hebrew is one who follows the laws, statutes, and commandments of the Most High Almighty, who commits themselves to the same discipline as did the Christ. So really we are the true quote, unquote, Christians. And this is why we have such mass confusion, because we are the true ones. Now, I'm not talking about these ones that worship these statues of wood and paintings and all of that of Jesus. I'm talking about those who are pure at heart, be you in the church or the mosque or wherever you are at. Really, you just have. an information base that has misled you, but your heart is right. A Hebrew is one who follows the same path, takes that with them everywhere they go. But what is the proper way to really serve the Almighty? So I'm going to go into the scripture. Uh, John we use the King James version of the Bible, or the King James sixteen eleven version of the Bible. John chapter four, beginning at verse twenty three. But the hour cometh. This is the one the world knows of as Jesus, true name being Yeshua or or a derivative of that. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true Worshippers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father seeketh such to worship him. Verse 24. God is a spirit. Or in other words, the almighty creator is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now listen, one of the things I want to point out here, verse 24, the word spirit appears twice. The first time this word appears in this verse, it appears with a a capital letter S. The second time the word spirit appears in this verse, It appears with a lowercase letter S. Very interesting. Hmm. Wonder what that means. The first time it appears is not at the beginning of the sentence. The second time it appears is lowercase. So when you're referring to God, the idea is to really not use that term God, but when they use it, understand the difference. If we say gods, we say lowercase letter G-O-D-S. So when we're referring to ourselves as gods, this is referring to us as the chosen possession of the almighty what is what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth well you got to absent make absent all this deception all these lies all this false doctrine all this idol god worship and you have to return to obedience Within yourself, within your very spirit, the way that you think, your thoughts, your words, your mind, body, soul, your deeds, your intentions, your motives, everything that you are has to be totally engulfed in surrendering and obeisance to the perfect will of the Most High Almighty as displayed in scriptures as laws, statutes, and commandments. So your spirit, your mind, your body, your soul, your thoughts, words, deeds, intentions, motives are to be committed to the same discipline as the Christ or the Mashiach, committed to the same discipline as the prophets following the same divine guidance of the scriptures that the Mashiach, the one who's become known as Jesus, followed. Brother E.K., what you got, sir?
2: Uh, There was a a scripture I wanted to uh, point out that sort of kind of Extends this point a little bit further. This is from Book of Romans, chapter five, verse nineteen, and it states, "For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous." So, as the as dear, our dear brother priest was stating about how we ought to worship the Most High in spirit and truth, and getting away from you know these lies, these murders, these stealing, and this deceit that's plaguing us as a people. Um, as we know from the beginning when the Most High gave that first law of obedience, meaning don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so from that very inception, from that point on, that law of obedience was was broken, and they became disobedient. And then transgression followed after that. The transgression of the law uh, came after that. So as we fast forward to the times when we know of as Jesus comes on the scene, the very purpose was to rectify that law, to become obedient, to be that symbolic representation of obeying the Most High in spirit and in truth. So that way many can become righteous. But in, in what capacity, though? Do the platform of a government, right? And so as we're describing about what it means to be a Hebrew, it really means total submission, total obedience to the laws, to the statutes and the commandments, but also to uh, commitment to each other in terms of love and responsibility, character development, personal growth, all these different things that the Hebrew faith really provides a platform for us to continue to extend and further our uh, growth and progress as a people. So as we see, you know, where we are in America today, that seems like it's an, an, an impossible feat, but it's not really impossible, it's just the fact that it requires more discipline, and it just requires more commitment, dedication to knowing that, like our dear brother Cedric had mentioned earlier, how bad do we want to flee from the cage? And not have our wings clipped anymore, right? So we can soar, right? And so we can be those heavenly doves again. That that represents that symbolic um, representation of peace around the world. That basically what the Hebrew faith was really was trying to get us to even uh, embark on, anyway. So you know, that's something that you know it it it's, it takes that that sense that sincere you know, um, introspection and, and question of saying, okay, why, what is it that I have to do in order to be able to make sure that I can do the best that I can serving the Most High Almighty? Because in this land, they it, it's not popular to serve truth and righteousness. It's not made popular. It appears like that through the eyes of the Christian religion, but we know that that sometimes um can be a little bit of a misnomer at times. Like we know that there's people that really do want to do the right things but may be exposed to information that doesn't allow them to connect the proper dots. And that's where those of us who are listening, those of us, you know, know, in the future, you know, hear this message that we're saying that, you know, in order to really do that, we really just got to look within ourselves and really start cleaning those areas up. And begin to say, like you know, to be a true Hebrew, it really just means total submission to natural law and nature, and just knowing your role and knowing what your divine purpose is. So that way, you're not tempted to be seduced by the seducing spirits. You're not. You're not. You're not um, tempted to fall into different delicacies. You're not tempted to drink the wrath of all these different you know, wicked things, or you're not going to be seduced by idolatry. You'll know truth and you'll know falsehood. And you'll know to distinguish, you know, you'll be able to distinguish the uh, between the two of them. So that's really what, you know, um, I wanted to just sort of point out because, you know, by the example that the one we know of is Jesus coming onto the scene and trying to resurrect the people. And one thing we also have to keep in mind in the capacity that he came it was also said he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So knowing that here in America, we've we've sort of been lost. We've been lost to government law and commerce. We've been lost to understanding what it really means to serve the Most High through truth and in spirit. We've been lost to understanding what love means to each other. We've lost what it means to be responsible to each other. And so um, when... The one we know that Jesus comes on the scene to rectify that it was to also resurrect the platform of government to be able to extend those capacities further, so that way we are able to worship the Most in spirit and in truth without any compromise. Without any compromise, and seeing as though here on the, in America the platform of government that, it's, that it rests upon is Christianity, and we know that the emperor is the Pope. Uh, in Vatican City, so the doctrine the moral character the moral standard has been twisted, so we think that they're saying truth, but in reality it's it's sort of twisted to make us confused so but that's what the one we know of as Jesus was trying to get us to do back you know back in you know uh, two thousand years ago, but the principle nevertheless remains the same that that's sort of what the Hebrew faith was supposed to be about was the total submission, the total obedience to the law, to understand truth, to understand righteousness, to understand love, responsibility, commitment, dedication, these things that allows us to walk our daily path and not be compromised by temptation or idolatry. In our youth.
1: praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Very well put, brother. The proper way to worship the almighty, the proper way to serve the almighty is through your character and your conduct. Being in alignment with the law, statutes and commandments. Your spirit, how you treat people, how you conduct yourself every day. Sisters, you can't be whorish, loose women trollops and tramps and harlots brothers you can't be drug dealers and pimps and have all this foul language and expect that that's really serving the almighty you're not serving the almighty because you can use these curse words and every time you use this foul language you're putting curses onto people and you're putting curses out into the universe. You're wishing nothing but hate and anger towards these people. That's why you use those terms because your heart has not been cleansed. And then you have those who want to justify the use of foul language. It's just words. It's just words, huh? It shows our lack of comprehending exactly what's going on in this real life. Words do hurt people, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, so on and so forth. The words are the sticks and stones that will break your spiritual and physical bones because you can misuse words and cause physical altercations. That is real. So the words do have implications and meaning and things behind them. But the proper way to serve the Almighty is through character and conduct and submission to the Most High's perfect will, which are the 613 law statutes and commandments of the scriptures. Be a good individual living soul treat people with respect and truth, particularly your brothers and sisters. Now let's talk about how you spot the anti- Christs among us who are actually idolaters. First thing they do is they take the name in vain. So whatever their pronunciation of the ancient Hebrew language is, it's they're using it as though it's superior to others. So if I say, Yahweh, my pronunciation is superior to yours, you don't understand how lost you are in that thinking to the point that you've taken a pronunciation and made that your idol God. Let's talk about the hate and the anger. Listen. We have those who take scriptures and twist them to such a degree that they justify their hatred and their anger. Typically. Listen what the Klan would say. The, the, the Ku Klux Klan. I love what God loves. I hate what God hates. That's the Klan. Listen to those who are not clan members who say the same thing because they read it out of scriptures. I love what God loves. I hate what God hates. As though you're the Almighty, as though you're the creator, that you're going to compare your love and your hatred to the Almighty as though you're the Almighty's equal? That is blasphemy. So you justify your hatred and your anger in this, listen to me good, in the same way that the drug dealers, the pimps, the prostitutes justify their behavior. They could be a pulpit pimp, call themselves a preacher or what have you. A pimp is still a pimp. They could be a pulpit whore. They could be whatever walk of life they're in, calling themselves politicians. They're whoremongers, going over to Vietnam and other countries to sleep with little boys and with little girls, paying them U.S. dollars. The hatred and the anger are all signs. How they express themselves, these are signs of idol God worshipers who have taken what they're calling their religion, what they're calling their walk of life, and they have made it superior to everybody else's so they have a justification for their anger and hatred towards you for not following exactly to the letter what they are preaching. Sounds exactly like what the true Jesus was speaking against to those Pharisees of old. Those same Pharisees and Sadducees are here today. I want to read for you conduct and character and how Paul was expressing it. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Hold that. A sacrifice is something that's basically put to death or given up to some form of destruction according to the said Old Testament. So you just destroy that old body that old fornicating, adulterous, physical body that you have been living in. And what are you to do with this, sisters who are prostitutes, brothers who are pimps, sisters who are harlots, brothers who are whoremongers? What are you to do with your, new, your body once you renew it with a new commitment to the law of Sagittarius and commandments? This is what it says. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So your reasonable service is how you submit to the Almighty. The correct way to submit your body to the Almighty is to cut out that fornication, to cut out that adultery, to cut out lesbianism and homosexuality. That's not an attack on those people. That's the scriptures talking. So if you don't like the scriptures, it shows exactly who you are. That doesn't mean we have to mistreat these people. That doesn't mean we have to do anything to them of harm. We can allow them to do what they choose to do while they burn in their lust, and we can still treat them decently. Reads on, verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, the most high almighty. And you prove that by your sincere dedication to a cleaned up life. Reason on verse three, for I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt with every man, the measure of faith. So look, look at this. They take a pronunciation and they deify this pronunciation into an idol God. They take a pronunciation or a breakdown of scripture and they put themselves more highly above their brothers and sisters. And they become drunk with the lust of power. Because they start to feel as though. They're the chosen divine, holy prophets and messengers, and they're above you so they can do any type of thing they want to do and uh, have any type of behavior they want to have. And they just furthermore justify their hatred, their anger, their their high thinking, their haughtiness, their egotism. They continue to justify it, hiding behind these terms like prophets and ministers and what have you. Resort for as we have many members in one body all members have not the same office so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another so I am my brother's keeper this is the proper way to surrender to the Almighty Reason, on, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So the way that you treat one another is a service and a worship to the Almighty. The way that we deal with one another is that Your conduct and character, how you handle things, how you treat people, how you conduct yourself in everything you do in life, be it contracts, business. The scriptures teach you everything you need to know from finding the proper mate, how to deal in your relationships, divine gender role assignments, to dealing with commerce, dealing with debt, how to discharge debts. The scriptures teach you all of these things, but you have been misled by these idolaters, false prophets with these mean spirits. They're mean and hateful and racist and and they're bigots, just as was the Pharisees of old. To the point where they just, they make themselves equal, feeling like they can have the equal knowledge or wisdom of the Almighty. They can love the same capacity as does the Almighty, but they cannot. That they can hate in the same capacity as the, does the Almighty, but they cannot. The scriptures allow for a perfect hate, which means you don't have that hateful, angry, biased spirit, but you can absolutely dislike things that are not right. You are not the Almighty. And you could pro- you see these people keep projecting themselves as though that they're equal to the Almighty. The real true way to sum this up is you as an individual have to have the right type of character and conduct. You have to be consistently on your path. But you also are required to erect government under the laws, statutes, and commandments of the Almighty so that all the um, sins, the transgressions of law that are written in scripture, when a society has fallen into that, you have an obligation as a public official as a leader or what have you, to implement the Almighty's laws upon the society. Lest the whole society be be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah, where the people are so corrupt that they cannot bring the righteous judgment upon the community to the society, the whole society must be destroyed. But if there's one righteous... A society, a nation, a people can be saved from that or delivered from that by returning to the government, laws, statutes, commandments, commerce of the Almighty in the scriptures. That is your answer. You can do that on a micro level through your local study group, through your local tabernacle, You can do that in your temple or wherever you have, and you can enforce that for and on the record in law in any government, foreign government, any government on this planet earth. You can enforce the law, statutes and commandments of the almighty, particularly here in America where they have freedom of religion and they will respect it and they will honor it. And if they do not, they know that the Almighty's judgment will come down upon up them sooner than later because it's coming on them, but they don't want it to come sooner. Brother Shedrick, can you close us out, please?
0: on, brother. Um, I just want to say that I thought that was a very um beautiful explanation of how to execute um, the... Let me say it this way. It was a beautiful explanation of how we are supposed to execute these principles. Um, We have to understand that while we are in the, uh, I guess you could say, notion for a pure heart and a spiritual exodus, um, be aware of what you have to do in terms of your home and your first home, meaning your first body, your body, which is your first home, and then let that be projected into how you deal with your household, and then once we can better, uh, uh, I guess you could say organize that, we can eventually organize as a community, and then we can start to, uh, we can start to compromise, we can start to trade, we can start to contract, we we can start to commerce with each other, commune with each other, and then we can see all of those blessings that were in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. We can start to see all those things slowly but surely manifest uh, within our life. Um, I, I say that because I also remember reading in the scriptures how the most high was going to give the land of Canaan to the Israelites. But he, he said it under this one condition that he was not going to give it to them all at one time lest they become basically corrupt. And I and I understand that because when you look at what our situation is, you know, how can you put something corruptible inside of a clean place? which is why it took so long for the Israelites to get to that place called Canaan or what they, would, uh, what they would designate as the land of milk and honey. It took long because it took that long just to purge the, the quote-unquote spirits so or the people that was going to be a hindrance to what these people aspired to do, and that was self-government. We can move towards self government if we work on the things that we, we need to work on in terms of understanding our role, understanding what we can do in terms of contributing to a a government or quote unquote Black Wall Street or quote unquote Liberia or quote unquote uh, realm or kingdom. These things are achievable. But we have to be we have to be sure of what it is that you know, we aspire to do. Otherwise, it'll come to naught. you know, it, it'll be all for nothing. And on that note, brother, I humbly yield to you. Thank you.
1: Praise the Lord. Very well put, brother. Brothers and sisters, don't be seduced by people that can quote scriptures, flip pages in the scriptures. And don't be seduced by so-called knowledge. It's okay to have knowledge, but when you have a lust that you're chasing after something other than first correcting your behavior, correct your behavior first, correct your thought process, stop lusting after answers in money. You keep you don't you replace the Almighty with money. <laughs> oh, if I just had this much more money, I could do this. If I, then you all made it so bad, oh, if I get this amount of money, then I'm gonna bless everybody else. So now you, you think money makes you the God. <laughs> Correct your behavior. What we here must be known as, as true disciples, not judging others in that sense, discerning the, the right spirits. Not those that inflict hate and anger on others as though they're the God, they're the creator, they're the almighty. They've made themselves equal to the almighty, not those, but those who have a right spirit and understand that everything that is happening on this earth, be it good or be it wicked, is all in the permissible will of the almighty. We're not gonna like the things that are going on this earth. And we should stand on the side of righteousness and stand against the wicked. But it is the perfect will of the almighty. They are both in perfect balance as is written in Isaiah 45 and 7. The Lord makes evil and good and allows it to be. We got to first Correct our thinking and our behavior. Stop this sexism, this superiorityism, this racism and bigotry. Stop mistreating women and thinking you can physically abuse them or talk down on them and insult them. Stop feeling like they're so subordinate to you just because you have a divine gender role assignment as the head. That does not give you the right to mistreat a woman or mistreat anybody else on this planet. That is the sign of an idolater. That goes for sisters too, for you disrespecting us as men. You see the situation we're in trying to rise up and come back and do right by you, but you want to continue to try to pull us down and belittle us with your mouth. And you don't understand how that makes us feel as men when we're trying to love you and you're trying to take every opportunity to tear us down and usurp our position. I'm not saying that everything we do is right, You know, you got to get that out of your mind, brother. Just because you're a man, everything you do is right. No, no. But if you can't reason enough to understand when you're mistreating somebody, it shows the ill effect of how lost you are. I don't know if you can get what I'm saying. I'm trying to say it the best way I can, but please, we'll be back again next week. We started a little earlier today. We started at 6, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. We'll be back again next week, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Please, by all means, visit our um, our Facebook group. Invite others to come and listen and learn and, and join our Facebook group. Thank you all for being here. All praises to the Most High Almighty. Shalom, shalom.